They train like crazy. I know that my guys trained a lot. Our bukatsu started like four o'clock and sometimes we left like 10. And we also had daily classes and some people went to train on their own. When I was heading out for the uni, it was at the time when they bombed the Brussels airport. They bombed the airport one day before my leaving. So if it's one day later, I could have been at the airport too. If you consider going to IBU for this one year, it's a really, really nice experience and you will definitely profit from it. Your Budo will profit from it and you, learn, you will learn tremendously. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Tokskai Inside Look podcast. Today we're speaking with Joseph Beretsky from Budapest, Hungary and now living in Belgium. Joseph has been training for over 17 years, during which time he's had experiences with many of the traditional Japanese martial arts including Yondan in Jodo, Sandan in Iaido, and Shodan in Kendo and Kudo. Joseph's Budo journey has taken him to many places, and in this interview, we dove into his year at the International Budo University, also known as IBU or Budai. We talk about the application process and preparing for the trip. We talk about transitioning to life as a full-time student of Budo, learning how to behave in a Japanese dojo, and finding local hidden treasures like restaurants and bathhouses. While I've heard of IBU in passing over the years, I've never really got a sense of what it would be like to be a student of the program. This episode was a fascinating exploration into that world, and I hope encourages more foreigners to participate in this wonderful program. So without further ado, here's Joseph Boretsky. Hi, my name is Joseph Beretsky, and I'm from Budapest, Hungary, currently living in Belgium. I started Budo, I believe, around my university times, maybe end of high school. I was always interested in martial arts in general, but I never really got into anything. I had a little time of Thai box in high school, and I had a little Tai Chi at the end of high school. But I had, a, I had a classmate, and his dad was a researcher. And when he was born, his family was living in Japan. So he was always telling us that, ah, it's so cool. He was born in Japan, and he's a white guy who's born in Japan. And he has it in his ID that his, his birthplace is Japan. So I think that's, that's, that's how I got the idea. That's how I got the interest for Japan and Japanese culture. And then this developed later. With, with uni, I started kendo. And I think in my first week, or maybe the first month of my kendo practice, one of our clubmates, my future or soon-to-be sensei, Habermeyer sensei, he did an introduction, embu, for Jodo, because he was starting the club, Shimbukan, at that time. So I went to see that and I started right away because it, I really liked it. It was much more something that I was interested in. And so I started to doing that next to Kendo. And because I was always there early and they had the trainings lined up like Yaido first and Jodo after. And I was going for Jodo and I was always there like, half an hour or, at, or sometimes an hour earlier. And I was watching people doing Iaido and I was like, hmm, I'm already here. So why not start Iaido too? And this is how I got into the Iaido part. And uh, Kudo came a bit later. I had some problems with my knees and I had to stop Kendo. 
because I couldn't keep up. And this meant that I have some free time. So what do we do with our free time? We find something else and spend it on that. So I started a Kudo in the book Yukai Dojo that was started by Rusty Robert and Ola Tamás, Tamás Olach. And Andrea Kralik was also a big, how to say, like a main, main person in the beginning. And so this is how I started Kudo in, in a hacky, hacky dojo in Budapest. So I would say these, these are my beginnings. So you, you mentioned like several very different martial arts. Maybe you can go over, how did you, what was the process of looking for them? And then how did you decide you wanted to do it? So Thai boxing and then Tai Chi, Kendo. Yaido was pretty clear. You said you were just sitting there, but all these other ones, you were either actively looking for it or you saw a poster somewhere. And then what was it that made you decide that, okay, I want to try this out? So in, in, in high school, I wasn't, well, not even in high school, even before, I was never a sporty kid. And uh, like the, the, the things that you do in, in physical education was never really interesting for me, basketball or soccer or anything like that. So I was always looking for something like martial arts because I don't know, it's, it's cool and it's fun. It looks nice. And, but I never really got to the point to start. And in my, I think in my last year, but maybe a little bit more, I had a, a new biology teacher and her brother started a Thai box training for a few people in, in my high school. So I could join that, and it was a really friendly environment, very, like, I don't know, very different than I was thinking about, you know, with all the, with the gloves and all the strength training, it was very new to me. And then I was looking for something that is more, that I felt that is more fitting for me, that is not really this like super hard strength training. And that's how I ended up in, in Tai Chi, in Chen Tai Chi Chuan. Mm. Okay. And then you just decided when you went to university that you go back into that kind of stuff with Kendo? How did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I went to uni, you know, when you start uni, you feel like you have a lot of time. And, and yeah, that's when I was like, okay, so this is, now I can start new things and then based on my Japanese interest also, I could, yeah, look around and we had, we have a really nice kendo club with Abe Tetsushi Sensei in Budapest. And uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it was just right there. Very interesting, very close to my university. So. Okay. So we know we, we know you'll be like, we'll talk later about you going to Japan, but when you were in Hungary, what was the Japanese community like? How much exposure to I guess, real Japanese culture and I guess there's restaurants, but like what, what was Japan to you in your eyes when you were still in Hungary? Well, for me personally, I didn't have, you know, like direct contact beside Abe Sensei with Japanese people. We had the, I believe like every main city have this anime manga circles with the, the fans for uh, animation. So yeah, that's, that's for sure. There was a, a huge group at that time based around the internet forum. And there were like meetings and all different kinds of cultures tied into this because everybody did a little of something else. 
So you, you, you had a little of understanding for a lot more things. I remember that one time from, these, from this anime group, I ended up connected with one of the Urasenka teachers in Budapest. And I helped him out when he was going for a con, an anima con for some presentation. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's just because you have so many people with, with cultural connection, anime connection, and they all in, were interested in a little bit of different parts of Japanese culture that it kind of like brought it together. Oh, okay. And then you, so you're at school, you, you started Kudo, you're doing these martial arts. What were you majoring in at school? And then as you were transitioning to finding a job, how were you able to maintain the practices? Well, I was majoring in engineering management. And while as the time was going, well, I had some nice years when, you know, it's, it was the beginning and very enthusiastic. And I think I had like four or five times trainings a week. And that was really nice, but yeah, I, I couldn't keep up with that. So yeah, I transitioned, especially also with starting working down to my two times a week training with Shimbukan for Jodo Yaido. And then later on, Kudo came on this once a week. Yeah, it's, it was a bit of slowing down, but I think it was also a bit more turning less sporty and more like thinking about what you're doing, not just going to training and running around. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can you talk about now the, while you're going through this, this is kind of, most people expected that this is the life I've graduated. I'm starting to work. I have this hobby on the side and yet IBU came in a picture and you took like a year, two years off to do something. Yeah, 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 yeah. How did that so happen? This came a little bit later after working for some time, me and my, one of my club mates, Aniko, we moved to Belgium from Shimbukan and we, we started to train here with, with the Belgian teachers. We were, we were lucky to get assigned to Albert Sensei who helped us tremendously sometimes coming himself to, to Leuven, to giving us trainings. And from this, because we didn't have a dojo locally, I was always looking. And I always remembered because in, in Hungary, in my kendo dojo, Abe Sensei was from IBU because he's a, he's a graduate from IBU. And we had at least, I believe two, yeah, two students who went to IBU for this special one-year program. And at that time, it was only possible with Kendo. And I was looking at it all the time, like since then, like, oh, it would be so nice. One year in Japan, you could learn so many things, but it's only Kendo and my knees are not good enough. But after a few years, when I'm still in Belgium and I was in contact with, uh, with my Kudo club back in Hungary, we had many seminars with uh, Matsuo Sensei, who was a teacher at IBU, Kyudo teacher. And uh, he came every second year-ish to Hungary. So we had some kind of contact with him. And, uh, and the rules changed for IBU, and they started to open to more martial arts. And that was the first year when, when you could go with something else than judo, uh, kendo, or karate. So I could, I could join with Kudo. It was 
it was a funny timing because when during my application, Matsuo Sensei was helping me, but I received an email from him. I built sometimes in the summer that well, you 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 get the application. Congratulations! But I have to tell you that I will be moving to another university, and that was like oh okay. So I I, I get in. I I can go to to learn kudo in Japan with. Uh, Matsuo sensei, but then not with Matsuo sensei. I have want to have some other teacher. So it, it was an interesting transition because he moved to Tsukuba, which is one of the, the it's the one of the main dojos for Heki, for my, my Ryuha in Kyudo. And one of the students who graduated in Tsukuba University took over IBU as a teacher. So this is how I ended up as a student of Harada Sensei, making him li his life difficult and <laughs> he had to deal with me. Yeah. Okay. I, so I guess it's quite lucky that they changed that requirement for like they added in additional martial arts. What other stipulations are there for being, for applying to IBU? I'm expecting that since it's a university program that there's an age limit or is there other stuff that you can talk about the application? Sure, it's, uh, this is a special one-year program that IBU is doing especially for martial arts students, as far as I know, because it's the mission of the school. It's a private-owned university. And uh, as for age limit, I don't believe so that there is something. Maybe in the fine lines we could find, but honestly, I don't remember having an age limit. It's, it's not really for... You don't really get like a uni education because you're not there for the main university experience, you're there for practice and for the, for the club activities. So yeah, I think I, I would say anybody can and should apply because it's, it's a really amazing year when you can only focus on Budo and friends and Japan culture. But since it's in Katsura, which is a tiny town in like two and um, at least two hours from Tokyo with public transport, it's gonna be mostly Budo because there is not much around. <laughs> Sounds like the dream for so many people. <laughs> it's it's really nice, really really nice. Yeah. Okay. So when they when you were doing the application, did you have ever a thought that oh maybe I won't get in, and then what were you gonna do then? Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had no idea what I'm gonna do. Well probably stay in Belgium and find the work and something like that. But yeah, it was, it was a very lengthy process with the visas and everything. And you never know because you could get the school and you don't get the visa or you get the scholarship and you get the visa or you don't get the scholarship, but you get into the school, but then you, how do you pay for it? So it's like, it's, uh, it's a lot of things in the air at the end, until the end. And even, even when, when I was heading out for the uni, it was just at the time that when they bombed the Brussels airport oh. and basically they bombed the airport one day before my leaving. So I, if, if it's one day later, I could have been at the airport too, but this way I had to figure out how to get to my transfer to Frankfurt. And it was a really hectic starting period. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So we can get into, let me just share my screen now with your, okay, we can start here, but yeah, letter of acceptance. Where were you when you found out 
you, I think you mentioned you got an email from Matsuo Sensei, but like when, when did you get the official thing and what was that like? Well, it letter effect the acceptance was the beginning because then you still didn't know, I believe. Well, my memory is not the best always, but I think I still didn't know if I have the scholarship or not, but I could go to the school. That's a, that's a start. Definitely, I was at home in Leuven. And uh, yeah, you know, when, when you get something like this, it's kind of like, oh my God, oh my God, what's going to happen? And then, then you, ha you have to like rush around and start preparing, applying for visa, thinking about what you're going to bring, what you're going to get there, arranging things. I was lucky because at that time, a friend of mine was still living in Tokyo. So I could, yeah, I was also arranging to go earlier so I can spend some time with him still before school. I can see the, the sakura, walk around, ha have some like transition time from Europe to Japan. So it's, it was hectic. Yeah, it was definitely, it's a, it's a letter that you hope that you get and then you're very surprised when you do. <laughs> And what were you doing in terms of training? Because I know you, Kido came a little later. You were fo you were doing a lot of Jodo and Iaido. Yeah. Did you feel like you needed to prep up on a little bit of yes. your Kido yes. basics before? You yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. I was terrified that uh, I'm going to arrive and very out of shape in Kido and what's going to happen. So I had an emergency trip to London because a friend of mine, Akos, is uh, is is living there and. He's going to White Rose Dojo, which is a really, really nice uh, Honda Dojo with super amazing people. And yeah, I was I, I wanted to visit. So I, I went for a long time anyway. So I, I went to London, visited him and his dojo, and we did some, yeah, kata training, taikai training, taihai training, everything like basic movements, just go through the ceremonies, refresh everything to have its, yeah, kind of kind of okay in my head by the time I get to Japan. Mm -hmm. So you have a little bit of the scheduling down, like you kind of knew where you were going, what kind of stuff you wanted to do. Yeah. Your training was being prepared. Can you talk about fundraising? Yes, I, I did a little fundraising because as a student with like side jobs, it was it was difficult. Because even, even if you get a scholarship, it's not going to cover everything. It's going to cover maybe half. So yeah, I had quite a good turnout from it. And I tried, to, I tried to reach out to friends and friends of friends. And yeah, the idea was that I'm going to, you know, write a lot of things on my blog and a lot of photos. And it went for a while. And then when things are going good, then you forget about uh, writing about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very grateful for them because, yeah, I'm sure that without this, it would have been a lot less likely that I make it. So fundraising was through something called generosity. What yes, it was a subsite of one of the maybe Indiegogo or something. Yeah, it's just a system that handles it, basically. Okay. So you book your flight and then... And then uh, I arrived sometime March, I think, what just was before Sakura. Uh, that was also a lucky timing. 
So we have this training that happens in, in well, it's a seminar when Matsuo-sensei comes to visit us. And uh, yeah, it was really lucky that I could still go home for Budapest to meet the guys that I am going to train with when I go to Japan. So I could already have like a first connection with the students who's going to be uh, four-year students, so finishing students, because they were the ones visiting. It, yeah, it was, I, I think it made it a lot easier so you step into a dojo and you're, you're not a total stranger, but already a little bit familiar phrase. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Does Matsuo-sensei normally bring students yes. from you? Yes, to come? yes, yes. The uh, IBU does this, well, used to do it. We'll see how it continues in the future. I hope it will. He used to go to Vienna and uh, Budapest. And he's always bringing if he can, well, now it's Harada-sensei, but they always bring two to four students. And this is kind of like a training for them because they are, their major is Kudo. So it's a practice for them to see how training foreigners is and how Kudo in Europe is. It's, it's an interesting, yeah, cooperation. How, how did that develop? Why Budapest and Vienna? Because our sensei who, who started the dojo in, in Budapest, Robert, he is living in Vienna and he's part of the dojo there. And th this is how we have the connection to IBU and to Matsuo sensei through him. Okay, so like these, these sensei and students from IBU come to wherever there are alumni who invite well, them. Well, I, I wish it would be that broad, but at this point it's, yeah, Vienna for sure, Budapest for sure. And yeah, well, we hope it develops. The more, the merrier. All right. So now it's time for you to go. Talk about that that trip, like the day of, all the things, saying goodbye, and then the travel. Well, as I said, it was the it was the bombing of the airport, so it was very crazy. Everything was already packed, and then. I was hoping to leave one day and I had to leave the day before in, in like, I don't know, when I, when I heard the news that was like in the morning and then I started calling like crazy the airport and everything like, okay, what can we do? And then by the time we figured out that, okay, I can reach the transport with, with the train, it was like, yeah, so I, it was really, really quick. So I had to move everything forward. So it wasn't really like a, a lot of time to say goodbye to, to friends and anybody. It's just, yeah, it was kind of like a rush. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then the I arrived to Tokyo. Yeah, you have this little note here on the flight. Yes, yeah. The flight, yeah. The flight was unexpectedly super long. Unexpectedly and not unexpectedly, but this was my first long time flight. So I don't know, it's kind of weird to be that much in, in a tube in the air. I had, I had a nice first contact with the, with the Japanese person. And you have, you know, you have these groups of retired people traveling from Japan and seeing Europe for the first time. And yeah, there was a lady who was in, in Italy and they went to see operas and she was telling me all about it and super friendly. So it was also like a nice transition. Yeah. And then I met up my friend. He came to pick me up at the airport. Zoltan Zozo. He was also in IBU 
many, many years before, but he stayed. He did uh, another university thereafter, and he stayed for quite some years, I think for like maybe seven, eight years, or maybe even more for working later. Mm. And you didn't go straight to... No, I didn't go straight to Katsura. I stayed a little. I stayed a little in Tokyo to experience things like the, the big yearly AnimeCon, which, which is, you know, every otaku's dream to go to the AnimeCon in Tokyo. So I couldn't miss that. And visiting the, the Gundam statue that is now old because they replaced it with a new one. And just, you know, just, just letting Tokyo in, which is a totally different experience that I don't, I don't think you can prepare for it. It feels not so big, but it's, but it's tremendous. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was a little bit of a culture shock, but in a positive way. I think, I think coming back was harder than going there in general. Actually, why, why don't you talk about that? Okay. I think going to Japan, especially as a tourist, like if you're not going to work there, but you're just going to be, uh, let, let's say, exchange students or um, just visiting, you only see the good sides, you only see the nice things. And uh, transitioning to, to like a very safe, very polite, very clean environment, I think it's a lot easier than when you switch back to Europe with, with, with all its nicest, nice things, but, but I think the best thing to say for Japan that it's, it's convenient and you, you find it everywhere. Like, like a good example, when I came back and I was walking in, in, in Leuven in the night, I was walking home and I was like, hmm, I'm thirsty. Let's just buy something at the next, uh, you know, Jidohanki. And, but there is no next Jidohanki in Belgium, right? It's, it's only in Japan where you have every 20 meters an automat where you can buy a drink and, and a lot of things like this. Just small things, but, but it, you can feel it when, when it's not there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, uh, so now you're as kind of established in Japan a little. You've adapted to hopefully the time zone as well. You get to IBU and then yes. how, what was that kind of beginning experience? What was yeah, it? So, so, uh, in IBU, as an exchange student, like for this one year, you live together with the other exchange students in a dormitory. And this is basically your little community, mostly. They are the people you're going to talk with the most. They are the people who's going to be your friends if they're going to be your friends. So it was the meetings, I think. First time you meet your roommate because every room is shared. And I had, I had a super fun Canadian guy. Yeah, Michael was hilarious most of the time. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you start, you start connecting with people. You, you talk with each other where everybody's from. I had guys, a lot of people from South Africa, uh, a lot of people from France from Poland, from Canada, from the US. It's, it's really a nice big mix. And also with uh, everybody for a different martial art. And mm. then you start uh, exploring the city because yeah, it's a tiny town, but still it's, uh, it's, it's a classic fishing town. It's, it's really, it's, it's a kind of Inaka, like countryside, but still a town, not a village. 
So you have some, some amazing places like they have a very old Santo bathhouse that is as you see in, in Ghibli movies or in Japanese movies. And there is a little shop where they sell not Vagashi, but like, you know, these mochi balls and like an old lady who's making his own Japanese sweets. It's, it, it really, I think it feels more like you're in Japan than when you're in Tokyo. Could you talk about some of these places? There's the, the Sento, like, what is that? And then yeah, the, the Sento is, so you have, in Japan, you have onsens, which is the natural bathhouses, and you have Sentos where they heat up the water themselves. And it's the, the Katsura Sento is pretty old, and it's really, it's still set up as it used to be. And you have the sites for ladies and boys. You have the classic dressing room with the, with the wooden, yeah, the wooden like squares where you can put your clothes and close everything in. And then in Japan, you shower outside and you clean yourself and then you go into the bath and it's just, you know, it's this like, I don't know, 200 degree water it melts your skin away and it feels amazing. Yeah, it's a little island. I think it's a little island of uh, calm and safety. <laughs> and then what's this place? Uh, this place is one of the ramen places. It's, it was easy to find and we used it a lot because it's basically across the big supermarket. It's the big supermarket in Katsura. And it's famous, Katsura is famous of, which is like a super spicy ramen. And they, they make a really good version of it. I think this was the first place where I, where I, where I, where I learned, learned to use the, the Japanese style ordering where you go to the machine and you push what you want and then you just give the paper to the guy who's making your food, but you, you pay for the machine. So it's very much separated paying and every, ordering and everything else. Yeah. yeah, I remember the very first time doing that, it's kind of confusing. You're like... Yeah, you're like standing like, okay, what do I push? <laughs> yeah it's it's fun it's a charming little town do they do they seem like they're used to foreigners being around seeing that the university is right there a little bit yes so it's not like they never seen foreigners but since it's usually only like i don't know nine to fifteen people every year it's not a lot so it's still surprising sometimes like they're still they're not going to stare at you because it's not like a village of, and it's not the 80s anymore. So yeah, it's not super crazy, but yeah, they, they see you're a foreigner and they're very friendly. And most of the time they try to speak a little less dialect and slower. <laughs> okay. Can you talk about your very first Kyoto class? Whew. I think when you go to a dojo in Japan, then, 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 then you realize that you don't know a lot, a, a lot, a lot. <laughs> and uh, it was also my first time training with Harada-sensei, first time training with all the people. So I had to get to know everybody. I had to learn how to, how to behave in a Kyudo dojo in Japan. We had, we had a little shrine in the dojo. So we had to do the same kind of greeting in and greeting out like you do in Shinto shrines. It's, it, was, it was a start of fitting in, I think, the first time. You try to feel what is the, how the students are with each other, 
how the students are with you, what are the relations. It's, yeah, you, yeah, I think it's trying to find your place and trying to adjust because every dojo has their own little rules and little traditions. Yeah, and one of these basic etiquette things for keto classes is to the practice of going to get the arrows and coming back. Could you talk about the differences you've seen? How yeah. you it here and how was it different when you learned it? Ooh, huh? Memories, memories. We, it was really interesting for me that how we set up. So every, every beginning of every training, we, we clean the, the whole place where the, the targets are put up. And then we start to put up the targets and the system that one student is there, or even two students are there, and they are adjusting the height while another student from the dojo is checking that they are at the same level and shouting to each other like a little bit up, a little bit down. And it's like, it, sometimes it's like two seconds, sometimes it's two minutes until the senpai is satisfied that it's okay. And yeah, and, and also getting used to being in a real dojo because in Europe, most of the time we shoot in sports halls. So everything is a bit, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Learn to, yeah, leave, leave your gloves when you go out to take the arrows, how to clean the arrows because it goes into the, the back, back is built from ground, dirt. And so when you take it out, you have to clean everything. How after shooting, if you are the one who's going for the arrows, how to check and how to shout back, like how many are hit, how many are not hit. And so the people who are writing inside, they can double check what they write. So it's, it's, it's a whole system that, that yeah, you, you get used to it in, in two weeks and then it's automatic. And then when you're out of there, then it's just like, woof, it's gone. And then... Most likely, if I step in tomorrow, then it's it, it, it's back and it's working again. Hmm. When I normally think of a, a structured school system, I, I feel like they give you a little more information and details and instruction. Or was this more really like just a traditional Q-Dojo that's situated where the university is, where they don't tell you anything, you just kind of have to look around and follow along? It's, it's a bit better than that. Well... Sadly, this was a year when, when the, when the QW was the lowest in numbers. And so it wasn't that busy, but that was in a way good for me. So they could, they could be a little bit more explanative. They can help me a little bit more with talking and telling. But the dojo is not really from the uni. It's attached to the uni. It's part of the Budokan in Katsura. And so it's a little bit outside. It's probably like, I don't know, 10 minutes bike ride. And it's really close by. It's like a neighboring hilltop. And so this, this way that it's only students and your teacher, it helps. It's, it's easier transition. They tell you a little bit. They wait. They correct you over and over again without any problems. So you get used to it, really. They, they help in transitioning. Okay. And so what's this? I can't read anything here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some things are in Hungarian. This is, well, the, the first picture you see is the entrance of the dojo, but that's not going to be interesting for the listeners. The second one, <laughs> it's, a, it's a Kyudo Taikai competition because part of the Kyudo club means that you can go to competitions if you get into the team, but 
since the, the number of students was very low in this year, they really needed me to have the enough number to go for competitions, which is a really good opportunity for me so I can go because otherwise probably I wouldn't get into the team. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was also, again, another experience to, to, to partake in those competitions that you see in some YouTube videos with university students from all around, shouting to each other, helping to each other, having these friendly or not so friendly competitions with each other, different schools competing, different styles competing. Honestly, it was really welcoming and very friendly environment. Like I, I've never really seen any Kyudo Taikai, which was not really friendly. It could be heated and could be very excited and students can be very like shouty, but it was always very cooperative and friendly. Yeah. And when you have these like student competitions, they're pretty huge and things happen very quickly. How did you find your way around? I was just running around after the others. <laughs> Most of the time, especially that uh, my Japanese is still not amazing. And, and at that time it was uh, even worse. So yeah, you, you, you have your team you practiced with and you don't lose them. That's, that was my tactic. <laughs> But after the first one, I was panicking like crazy. But after the first one, you get used to also like how competitions go, how you sit in to wait. So you go up next, how you go into the shooting range first, how you together with your team, depending on which, which position you are, how you get into your place and all these, all these things. It's, uh, I think, yeah, you get used to it. First time panicking and then, then it goes like automatic. What do you see as different between the schools that seem to have much better hitting compared to the other ones? And how did your dojo fit into that level? This is difficult because I'm not doing that much. Well, I'm not doing Kudo that long and for that intensive. It's tricky because I think that, well, that's my opinion, eh? that uh, many, many dojos that are hitting a lot, they train like crazy. And they train to hit. And sometimes, even if the technique is not amazing, they train so much for hitting with that technique that they have that they're going to hit. But yeah, I think it's, it's a lot of practice. And yeah, what sensei you have access to, what senpais you have, how they treat the kohais, how they give the teaching down, how much extra they put in. I know that uh, my guys trained a lot. Our bukatsu started, I believe, like four o'clock with setting up everything. And sometimes we left like 10. And we also had like daily classes and some people went to train on their own. Yeah, I've seen other schools. I, I visited Tsukuba once for Heki Taikai. And yeah, they, they practice a lot. <laughs> I really think it's, it's, it's good technique and a lot of practice. That's as usual. <laughs> practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Okay. So you were there for uh, Kudo, but you weren't practicing Kudo every day, all day, every day. What was the rest of your schedule like? Like, what was what was a week like at the university? So in IBU, in this special program, you have your your main chosen uh, budo, where you have to go classes, and you have to go club activity. Club activity is every day except Sunday. So every afternoon night, you have club activity for most of the things. 
and uh, every Saturday morning. And uh, for judo, I think judo people, they also, judo and kendo people, they also had like uh, morning sports, like uh, before breakfast, wake up running and all these things, strength training. So this is the, this is your part, your budo. And then you have some electives. You, you can pick introductory classes to other sports, mainly budos. This is a sport university. So they, the people who finish here, they will be like uh, fitness instructors or sport teachers or yeah, teachers in high schools. So all kinds of stuff. So they do many kinds of sports, not only budo or not even any budo. So the intro classes are also for them. You are together with them. For example, I did to do a little kendo again. I did intro to kendo where you ended up with like baseball guys who never even seen anything like kendo, which is amazing to like this is also amazing to experience in japan that you go there and people have like absolutely no idea about something that for you is like so japanese and so this you can try other things naginata kempo karate aikido yeah these are the budos then you have japanese culture class and then you have japanese language class and at my time is the, the Japanese teacher changed and we had Yoshikawa sensei who is like the best you can hope for. Super patient and very good Japanese teacher and who was also a student at IBU before. This is your, this is basically your week. Your mornings are gonna be classes and your afternoons gonna be either your own budo classes or intro to other budo classes. Your afternoons are and your nights are practice in club practice. And then some other things you can pick up, like me, I, I was really interested in tea ceremony. So I got out of my Friday practice of Kudo and started doing tea ceremony practice. In the school, the, the tea ceremony club has a really, really nice old teacher, Okawa Sensei, and she is from the family who runs the shrine there. And she's a teacher in Edosenke, and it was just amazing the you can to visit her her tea room that's like next door to the shrine which is there for super long time ago and to experience also she invited me to her own classes where not with the students but her own students and yeah it's just the atmosphere and the whole thing it was really really nice hmm. so you you had these classes you're going to you also go to these tournaments, I'm guessing like they're weekend taikais around mm -hmm. to like, times, yeah. yeah, you mentioned to Tsukuba, which is in Ibaraki. Can you talk about some of these trips? I know that even on, I guess, holidays, you would make some trips to different parts of the country just to do some sightseeing. Are there any particular memorable trips that you took away from the university during that time there? Yes, yes, definitely. I wasn't a very tight budget, so I didn't travel as much as I would have loved to, maybe next time. But I managed to have a, have a trip to Fukuoka because I, I knew a Japanese girl from, from Belgium. She was an exchange student in Belgium, and she is from Fukuoka. And Fukuoka is very important for uh, Jodo people because the, the shrine for Jodo is there. And uh, yeah, I, I went to visit, I went to see the shrine. I went to see the, the training for the Fukuoka Jodo people, and I could join for, for one training that was, that was really, really amazing. Then I went to, to Kyoto, 
It's probably my favorite city in Japan. I could stay at a small renovated house and yeah, just walked around like crazy a lot. It's so many things to see and all the old sites. I went to Nara. I ended up in Nara without any accommodation and I slept outside in the night where deer surrounding you and walking around and you wake up and you have like, you know, some eyes are looking. <laughs> it was just, yeah, you know, summer, warm, nothing can happen. It's it's Japan, it's Kyoto, it's not, it's not, yeah, the, on, the only, yeah, the only people that came that was the deers. <laughs> wow. There are certainly probably lots of people that would want to go to Japan, go to IBU. What would you recommend for someone that says that, oh yeah, I don't really know any Japanese. I'm coming for the school. I think I'll just stay at the school. I don't know if I'm okay traveling around. How would you recommend helping them do more of this sightseeing while they're on this trip? Like what are some of the things that you can help alleviate their fears of? Well, you can definitely go without any Japanese. Especially at IBU, we had many students who don't speak any, any, any Japanese. The, the language teaching at IBU starts from zero because most of the time, at least 60% of the students doesn't speak any Japanese. So you will pick up some things. You will, speak, you will pick up the basics. It's really easy to travel with train and buses, but trains, trains are the easiest. Even not so, so far from the school, you can find super nice places that you can visit with a train. You are in Tokyo with the train in like two and a half hours. And even with English in Tokyo, you can get around. There are thousands of websites of how to travel without any Japanese. So I don't think that would be a problem. Definitely, if you, if you consider going to IBU for this one year, it's, it's a really, really nice experience and you will, you will definitely profit from it. Your budo will profit from it and you, learn, you will learn tremendously even if you don't want to. Traveling around Japan is not, it's not really not so difficult. We went to, to Fujisan also to climb. We went up through the night. We got there with a the bus. You can book the ticket online. I went to see Bunraku Puppet Theater in Osaka when I was visiting Osaka and Kyoto. And I, yeah, you can, you can book the tickets without any problem. Even with a little Japanese, you can get away. Nowadays, I don't think it's that much of a problem. If you have Google Maps, then you're not gonna get lost. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it sounds like a very eventful experience. You went there, you did a lot of practice. You went to see a lot of places. Maybe wrapping up this one year there, mm -hmm. how did this finish off? It wasn't like, Oh, I'm, I'm, oh, it's time to go and I just go. Are there like closing festivities? Are there anything that like graduation certificates or ceremonies? Yeah, 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 definitely. So, well, this is, you join the university. So you join the schedule of the university. So you end with a huge graduation ceremony and you graduate basically together with the fourth year students who are graduating at that year. We had a huge graduation ceremony. I was very fortunate that my, my Sado teacher her, who I think grandfather was also a Kyudo practitioner and tea ceremony practitioner. And she landed me the, the Monsuki from the grandfather. So I could, I could do the, the graduation ceremony with the Monsuki and the nice Hakama. And yeah, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it stops like this. It's kind of gradual. 
And then you start panicking as you come to the end because you were living together with friends for for a year, closed together with all the all the crazy things and all the nice things. And then you just see that like day by day, there is a little bit fewer of you there. It's a little bit sad. It's it's kind of very sad. <laughs> but yeah, it's everything, everything ends. Mm-hmm. How do you stay in touch with fellow alumni these days? We we stay a lot in touch, at, at least with my year. We talk a lot. We were lucky because the American guy from my group, he got married like, I think, half a year after or something like that. So we could meet up at his wedding in the US. And that was like our first small reunion. And yeah, it was it was amazing. Like... It was like we met yesterday, just continuing. We talk a lot. We Skype a lot. We had a, we had a Skype call a few days ago with the Frenchies and the American and some other guys. It's really like, yeah, it's the, the brother-sisterhood, you know, <laughs> sticking together. And IBU alumni also, we, they have, there is like a common Facebook group for all alumni. My friend who I visited at the beginning, he's also IBU alumni. We have another guy who's also from Hungary, who, who still lives in Japan, also alumni. When I came back to Belgium and I visited my now Kyudo Dojo in the Netherlands, one of the guys who just came back, also alumni from a few years later. And it's, I haven't met him, but we already, but we already started like, oh, yes, you're also IBU. How are you? What's up? It's, it's a connection even with people you never met. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, th- so this, this was a slightly different interview than the other ones I've been doing. Thank <laughs> you so much for sharing this because a lot of people have heard about IBU, but very few people know much about it. And I think this helps really demystify what that organization and what that schedule would be like if someone were to go. And right. It sounds like a great place to... Yeah, I, I really suggest for everybody, if you can put this year into your life, it's going to be an amazing experience. It's, it's an amazing place. The teachers are superb. I heard many good things from the judo and the kendo guys. Everybody was very, very happy. Okay, cool. So it doesn't feel interesting to, to use my typical finishing <laughs> questions that I normally do for interviews because this is as much about you, one singular experience for you rather than like your whole kind of Budo journey. But right. maybe what would be a good way to end this kind of thing? So you you come back from IBU. That probably was a very influential experience. How has that impacted your current pursuit of these different martial arts? I know you, you went there for Kudo. You started Sado there as well. Mm-hmm. But like, how has that impacted what you continue here and what kind of what you focus on while you're back in Europe. Right, 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 right. Um, I, try to, I try to continue with, with, with everything, I think. <laughs> I couldn't find Edo Senke in Europe, but I met an Enshiryu teacher, Tias, who is funnily originally from Belgium, but lives in Kyoto. So we can do online classes and I can continue with tea ceremony. When there is no pandemic ongoing, I can go to Albert Sensei, who, who I train the most here in Belgium. We have many, tra- many seminars in Belgium for Jodo and Yaido. 
It's a super nice community. They do many things. Renaissance I comes to visit very often. I did my, my Jodo grading here. Yeah, I try to, to go to as much seminar as I can and to get to as many trainings as I can. Not so successfully sometimes, but yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> cool. Okay. I, yeah, I'm sure all of us, there's always something that gets in the way, but we still exist. We still go to classes. That's what matters. And over yeah. the long term, exactly. uh, we'll see each other around. Never so, giving up. Yep. And now we're learning Japanese together. <laughs> yes, exactly. Go ahead. Another, yeah, another I really appreciate thing. you kind of helping with some of the things that we're less familiar with, because as Andy, Andy mentions, like having students, fellow students help each other out, that's also a great way for us to learn. So yeah, I, I believe that, yeah, it's the best way of learning is also cooperation and community. And our Japanese classes is also a community within the Budo community. So yeah, I think that's, that's probably the most important for, for me in Budo. Cool. Well, speaking of which, we're going to be, oh no, classes at one uh, in an hour today. So I'll so see you there. <laughs> yes, I'll see you there. All right. Thank you so much for this. And thank you very much. your patience again to redo it. No worries. All right. Talk to you soon. You. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode because we have a lot more exciting conversations to share as we explore the world of the traditional Japanese martial arts. The Inside Look podcast is available on most common podcasting platforms and on YouTube. Remember to subscribe to not miss out on new interviews as they are posted. We're always looking for feedback to improve, so please write us a review or drop us a line at podcast at tokushikai.ca or on Facebook and Instagram at tokushikai.canada. Until next time, thanks for listening.